What's up, everyone? Happy New Year, and welcome to the first episode of Season 2 of Closing the Loop. Season 1 was awesome. I had the great opportunity of speaking with some amazing people doing incredible work in this space. Uh, and before we get rolling into Season 2, I'd just like to thank a few people. First and foremost, the team here at CT that have been doing great work on this project, the incredible guests that have joined me for a discussion, of course, and all the people who have supported the show, whether just by enjoying the content or jumping on the Value for Value bandwagon and using a podcasting 2.0 app to start streaming or boosting sats. Thank you. We've got some more incredible guests lined up for season two already, but to kick things off, we thought it'd be fun to get Gigi back on the show to discuss a few things, what the team has been working on up till now, uh, what the focus will be for the upcoming year, and for both of us to share our thoughts and experiences around uh, where the Bitcoin-enabled value-for-value model may be headed. And of course, a little philosophizing mixed in between. Anyways, I probably say this every year, but I'm insanely excited for the year ahead in Bitcoin. So much good stuff on the horizon. So here's to another great year as we continue building toward hyper-Bitcoinization. Enjoy. All right. Well, this is season two, episode one of Closing the Loop, back with dear friend, colleague, and a contributor to this project, dear Gigi. Gigi, what's up, man? Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year, John. I'm doing very well. Uh, thanks for having me back. <laughs> Even though, again, I had something to say in there, but <laughs> I'm glad to kick the second season off and uh, yeah, discuss some things that were the themes on, on this podcast. Yeah, we wanted to do this uh, instead of just rolling into another episode with you know another guest because... First of all, this is a very collaborative effort, right? People that listen to podcasts generally, you know, the host is is forward facing, and then the guests, of course. But this particular project involves a lot of people, right? You and uh, a bunch of other the other guys that are working at CT to really not only produce a show that hopefully is engaging and valuable to people, but also to push uh, this technology of podcasting 2.0 and explore the different potentials of the value for value model. And so I just want to say thank you to you and the rest of the team who aren't, you know, out in the public eye, uh, because this obviously is very much a collaborative effort. Yeah. And thanks for mentioning that uh, uh, all of this is still an experiment. I personally also have no idea where, where it is going, but I think that's, that's good. That's what's to be expected if you are at the frontier. And um, we just figured if we want to build useful things, um, in some areas, we we also have to be at the forefront and use those things and experiment with the technologies and help build out those technologies. And um, yeah, the last couple of months, we worked a lot with the team behind the podcast index and the guys that are defining the podcasting 2.0 specification and also uh, the guys from Breeze, uh, which implements large part of the specification to make the dream of streaming money and streaming payments work and to experiment how this could look like. And of course, podcasting is the first platform that really makes use of this. And so if if you, dear listener, are already losing, uh, are already using such a <laughs> new 
podcasting app. Shout out to newpodcastingapps.com. Then this is your key to boost and let us know that you are already making use of streaming sets. But yeah, it's still very, very new and, and very fresh. And we are currently experimenting also with things that just evolved basically in the last couple of weeks, basically. <laughs> so, mm. um, um, People are experimenting now with um, boosts and adding messages to boosts, which is called boostograms. And I hope to write about um, how this works and what boostograms are and how to think about them or how to maybe think about them very soon because it is a, an, an interesting development in the technology that is not only about streaming payments and, and solving the micropayment problem, so to speak, but also really engaging with your audience in a, in a different way. And it's very much like clapping or something like that, but there is a monetary aspect to it as well. So I think it's very, very interesting and very new. Yeah. We talk about, you know, you know this stuff all the time and I, I find it extremely fascinating. And through the course of the last six months doing the show, my understanding of not just how value for value might look in terms of applications and stuff like that, but kind of the philosophy and the, the premises behind it, because it's such a divergence from the media model, especially the media model that that's been uh, the, the dominant model for the last, you know, several decades. How has through the course of the last six months, as we've been going through this, and you just wrote a really great article, what was the title of it again? Uh, the title was the, the the value of freedom and <laughs> the, like it's a play on the freedom of value the value of freedom where um, uh -huh. you you kind of have to think about our media landscape in not only a payment sense but also in a in a freedom sense so it, it plays with the idea of why are we in the current situation of deplatforming and censorship and all those, those kind of things and um so i focus on the on the concept of of busking which we know from the from the real world so to speak like from the physical space where a street musician might play a song and um the audience knows intuitively that you have to give some money a, a certain percentage of listeners have to give some money for the music to continue and i think we can do similar things in the in the digital space now and uh yeah that that was that's a very <laughs> short summary of the whole um of the whole article i wrote but yeah, yeah. um i th i think you're, you're question basically is like how did my thinking evolve on all of that and and if it changed yeah well i was going to compliment you on that great article and then ask you how your thinking has changed but just before we break into that you know it's fascinating first of all i think it's an amazing analogy um and we've discussed how you know and you reference this in the piece how information wants to be free right and when the marginal cost of something is basically zero that puts even more pressure on uh that process let's say or that dynamic and in a circumstance like that, to impose a price on something just seems inhibitory in so many different ways. Whereas if you have this thing that wants to be free, then I think the natural uh, way to engage that is to allow people's own genuine uh, systems of valuation to determine the value of what's being offered up for free, right? And that's why the busking model is so great because there's someone there in the park or on the street they're doing something ostensibly for free. They're attempting to provide value. And then people are allowed to express their value naturally, how much they value the service that's being provided. And, you know, it's, it's also interesting because we discuss how, you know, whether it's podcast listeners or gamers, how a small portion of the people are going to 
stream sats and they'll boost or they'll buy skins and stuff like that. And then there'll be a long tail of people who aren't right. And in the busking model, I think the, the corollary is like, you have that ring of people that are in the front row or the couple front rows of the busker, right. And they're super engaged and they may be, maybe even be pulled into the the act in some way. And they're the ones that like are really happy to be there and want to be there and most likely are going to put more money in that hat when it's all said and done. Right. And then as you have these like concentric rings of people that are less and less committed or less and less, uh, value what's happening less and less. Right. And then you have these people right on the outskirts that like just kind of walk slowly, like they, their, their pace slows as they walk by. Maybe they stop and like look above the crowd for 30 seconds. They don't want to commit to it. And then they walk by, you know, and it's, I feel like there's so many interesting analogies there between the different strata of people who decide, who, who derive value from whatever the, the service or product is and how much they're willing to commit both their time and of course their, their financial resources to avail or to, uh, to thank for yeah. The, the service or the value that's being provided. Yeah. So I thought that was a really good model that you introduced. Yeah, uh, thank you. That. And um, like all analogies, this one is imperfect as well because it will be very different in the digital space because you don't have these physical limitations. And and um, uh, like just to pick an obvious one, crowd sizes can only get that large because you know there's you, you can't play infinitely loud and the, car, the, the crowd can't go, uh, can't, grow infinitely big. And also what's so interesting um, online is that really good content, really good, it doesn't matter what form of content it is, whether it's a piece of writing or a, a musical piece, once it's, once it's digital, it can live for a very long time. <laughs> and so um, if there is still a hat on the ground, you know, like, um, and, and, and like a song really changes your life or a piece of writing really changes your life, I bet you're still willing, even though it was written like 15, 20 years ago. If you know that the author will have something of that, you're still willing to throw something into the head and so on. So there, there are some there are limitations of space and time that don't exist in a digital space that are very real in the in the physical space. And mm -hmm. it's also, you know, like to point out another difference is um, if you're walking down the street, you don't have infinite money with you. But online, you might, <laughs> you know, there are some people with really big um, Bitcoin purses, <laughs> right. e even those that are connected to the internet, you know, like there are some, some big lightning channels and some big <laughs> lightning nodes and so on. And so mm. I, I, I just want to point out that I, I also, I really like the analogy. It's, I think it's, it's the right way to think about it, but we, we, we must be very cognizant of the fact that all analogies are very imperfect. And we see this, sure. we see this in Bitcoin as well. You know, like the, I think now is a very good time to reflect, um, because we just celebrated Bitcoin's 13th birthday birthday. And so Bitcoin is a teenager now, basically. Teenage. <laughs> and so it's going to be show, some... <laughs> showing early signs of adolescence in yeah. the last couple of days. <laughs> I don't, yeah, yeah, exactly. Go, going against the, the trend, what the, what the parents wanted to do, but yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, I, I think just look back in terms of analogies, what happened in the last, I don't know, seven, 700,000 blocks, 717,000 blocks, something like that. And 
So we went from funny internet money, something that no one took seriously, except for like one or two people, you know, like I think the only two people in the beginning that took it seriously were Satoshi himself and <laughs> and Hal, that were the only two people basically that that from the beginning took it seriously. And then we went immediately mm-hmm. to, wow, this is cool and free transactions. And I mean, Bitcoin, the, the Bitcoin transactions were free because Bitcoin had no value, you know, and it was still internet points and so on. And then, of course, we went to darknet money and um, uh, the whole Silk Road phase and, and all those kind of things. And people thought it's only darknet money, you know. And then we went to programmable money. People figured out, hey, that's really cool. We can, you know, do uh, what's today called smart contracts with it. And then we went on to hey, this is really good savings technology. This is basically gold 2.0. And and these narratives just keep evolving, you know? And it's now it's uh, digital, real estate, uh, digital real estate and uh, it's free transactions again, but now on Lightning. And of course, you know, again, it's not free. It's <laughs> you, you have to pay a fee for routing on Lightning. And mm. um, now we arrived at, you know, streaming money, which um, was kind of thought up and dreamed up a couple of years ago, but um, it was just not possible on Bitcoin until Lightning had some traction. And uh, yeah, we also, people like Michael Saylor now talk about it in in the sense of digital energy, that it is a form to conserve your energy. And um, that's also something that's very interesting, I think, um, also for us at CT to look into the technologies and the companies that make use of Bitcoin as um, a storage of digital energy, and yeah, it touches on on all the things that that we explored um, in closing the loop as well, and and the guests uh, that we had on, and so I think it's 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 fun to see how this evolved, and I think it's also a good time now to reflect like where have we been, where are we now, and how things might evolve. Yeah, I think what's been great about the guests and, you know, we've tried to focus on this show on people that are building in the space and, you know, what builders are doing basically are they're, they're testing those theses uh, about what Bitcoin is, at least in a certain domain, against the reality of the market in the world, right? And it's so cool to see, uh, you know, the, especially the people that we've talked to having been met with a certain degree of success and as a result, proving at least true for now, uh, the thesis that they're they're executing on. And it's, you know, of, of course, we talk about this all the time, about how all of these narratives, you know, as I said before we started recording, like, you know, sometimes it's been a critique of Bitcoin that the narrative keeps changing. But I think it's, it's probably more accurate to say that the definition of the type of money that Bitcoin represents is being explored and it's being expanded as we push into it and, and discover what it can be. But of course, we're not separate from Bitcoin, right? Like we're, we're involved in the process of its own becoming. And so the narrative that we hold about it does have an influence on what it is. So, you know, and that's both a frightening prospect and an exciting prospect because it means you might be able to mess it, you know, you can mess it up, but you can also, you may be able to, if stewarded properly, you may be able to, you know, make something that has tremendous perhaps unprecedented amounts of of utility and benefit you know and and this is the i guess the journey that we're all on to try to discover uh the narratives that i guess are not only the most truthful but also the the ones that we think are the most 
valid and the ones that are, are worth pursuing. And then through the discussions that we have on these podcasts and through the endeavors of entrepreneurs and, and you know, interfacing and testing these things on the market, discovering uh, which ones are the ones that we should pursue and how to pursue them. You know? And so to the extent that we've been able to uh, contribute to that discussion, but also highlight uh, and, and speak to the people that are doing the real hard work of figuring that out, you know, has, has been really fun, but you know, I don't know if we've actually talked much about that, but what do you, what are your thoughts on, on that dynamic of, of how we both are making this thing and simultaneously discovering what it is and should be and the somewhat precarious relationship that exists there? (laughs) That's a great, big, 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 big question. I can I can tell you why why I consider it such a big question because I think um, what you said is very true and but it's not exclusive to Bitcoin I think it's it's true for example um, for for the internet as well I mean that's kind of obvious how should we do the the internet should everything be open and free should like who is doing your compute, for example, you know, and we went through phases there as well. We went from mainframe to personal computer to mobile computing to software as a service. And and now we're kind of figuring out that um, if Google and Facebook um, and Amazon does all your computing, maybe that's also not the right model for society. So it, it might be a, a, a hybrid might be the best, you know, like you do some of the important stuff yourself or that, where you control the data as well and so on and and some things that you can outsource. And, and of course, you know, there's always... There's always trade-offs. <laughs> That's, I think, also what every uh, um, everyone who who studies Bitcoin very deeply will realize that you know there there are no solutions. There are just trade-offs, and mm-hmm. and and so I think um, the. <laughs> it's, well, that's it's, the ultimate question. Which are the which trade-offs do you make? You know, that's that's the question that you keep asking to find yourself through the maze of, of what this thing should become. Right. Yeah. And, and this touches also on, on, on a topic that I know you really like, which, because it is so interwoven with values because your values, your highest values, um, in some way dictate the trade-offs, which trade-offs are okay to make and, and what is absolutely right. off limits. And I think in, in Bitcoin, that's why it's such a big question, you know, like for example, one, one value that Bitcoin holds is 21 million. So an absolutely fixed supply, you know? So, so there is no trade-off to be made in, in, in the sense of um, how should this economic system function from the question of inflation? You know, it's just like, we will have zero terminal inflation, period. You know, that's, <laughs> and, and, and so there are some values embedded in Bitcoin um, that are really interesting and um the but the reason the, the other reason why so it, but not everyone <laughs> not everyone agrees with that right so that's the the thing and now I'm, I'm not saying it's uh, necessarily susceptible because i think most people do agree but this is i think why there's this ferocious uh desire for more understanding and these conversations uh, around that because you know, you say, well, what's the value of zero terminal inflation? You know, there's an easy answer like, well, inflation is theft. And if you don't want people to be robbed from, you know, you can't have inflation, but then it complexifies. And to really understand the value of an absolute limit like that, I mean, as you say, we've both explored how deep that particular rabbit hole can go. And it's, um, yeah, so, you know, we say it's non-negotiable, but 
everything kind of is and, and we're <laughs> well that's that's a funny thing in bitcoin because um and, and i come back to the participatory nature of it all you know like in one sense it's participatory in, in the sense of um what narrative is the correct one and and which one you view as the correct one you will put more time and energy and money into it and build this out and to come back to the internet analogy if you think cloud computing is the future you will invest in cloud computing and we will have more cloud computing and so on and and so uh, in, in bitcoin of course the same the same um phenomenon exists i think in all industries you know like the same phenomena kind of exists like that's that's what the market is here to kind of try to figure out you know like with every single purchase you dictate um, you 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 voice a preference, and and so this is true in, in Bitcoin as well. In terms of, do you think Bitcoin is like an uh, uh, an energy storage device? Then you will invest more into mining and into energy and so on and so forth. And if you think it's more uh, micropayments thingy, then you will invest in those kind of companies and and streaming sets technology and the Lightning Network and so on. And and so so this is one part of it. But I think the even more interesting part that that makes this question especially big is Bitcoin um, is participatory in the sense that to use Bitcoin, you have to use Bitcoin. No one else can define Bitcoin for you. And that's also, I think, where the the saying comes from 21 million is not negotiable. You know, like you can run your own node and you define the 21 million and that's it. And no one can touch that period. You know, like you're not beholden to to the tyranny of the majority, not in Bitcoin. You you define the rules yourself. And I think that's why it's so special. And that's that's also I think why it's so hard to understand because it is a it is a new thing. You know, like it is a it is a new, a very new system to to kind of find consensus. And nothing like it ever existed before. Right. But because of that your fate is linked to the other people that share your preference or understanding in that way, right? So you're right, like, if you decide Bitcoin is capped at 21 million, it is. But to the, the, the usefulness of Bitcoin to you with that understanding, with that limitation that you impose is subject to how many other people impose the same limitation. Like its usefulness will be determined by that, right? And so that's why I think, and, and I'm not suggesting, like, I think that one's a fairly hopefully obvious one that that will be maintained into the future. But let's say like a dramatic narrative shifts and only a very small portion of people end up enforcing that limitation and wanting to use that Bitcoin, right? Like if it's a, the, the, the bigger it is, the more useful the money that has that limitation instantiated and it will, will be to you. The smaller it is, the less useful. And so this, you know, this is how uh, narrative and understanding, uh, the process of the narrative and understanding working. And I'm not, I'm not um, uh, dissociating from like the economic proofs and consequences of this, right? And, and I think it may be the case that it's not something that has to be ultimately argued or, or um, discussed that much because the, ec the proof will be in the economic pudding, as it were. And yeah, we, and, we may and also in the technical pudding, because the beauty of Bitcoin is that there is like a right and the wrong answer and either you are in consensus or you're not <laughs> and so mm -hmm. if you understand the, the the technical nature of bitcoin then what you're talking about will result in a hard fork and just historically we've seen that all these attacks on bitcoin were unsuccessful so yeah. um uh, i continue uh, like I, I i believe that this will continue that that um you it it will um there will be a more or less 
um, obvious answer, kind of. <laughs> like it, the, 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 this, 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 the Bitcoin solution is just, if, if there is a, man, it's such a tricky, it's, it's such a tricky <laughs> subject. But historically speaking, Bitcoin has to be com compatible with what Bitcoin was in the past. And I think this will continue mm -hmm. to be true. And let's, I, I, I would say let's leave it like that because every, everything else is um, both philosophically and uh, technically very, very complicated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I guess my final comment on, on it will just be like, in the sense, you know, shit coins and forks are very similar. You just, you're wanting to adopt or you're testing your, uh, your thesis that a different set of rules will be more advantageous, viable, you know, successful, whatever. And, uh, you know, I think the market is proving that Bitcoins are still, for a variety of reasons, the ones that are, are dominant. And as I say, like, I, you know, we may not have to have that philosophical discussion as fun as it, as, as you know, though it may be, because the economic success of it may just prove that these are the right rules to go by and everyone just follows that signal ultimately. But, you know, in... I do think that it's beneficial to tease out uh, the logic and the rationale behind adhering to certain rules because I think it gives it an extra, as we said a few minutes ago, like this is participatory, right? It's a relationship. It's not just, you know, it's not an isolated object, you know? So the more we understand both what it is and what it, you know, what we think it can and should be, I think the better we will the the better we'll be able to co uh, constitute a relationship to engage with it and you know yeah. hopefully that will mean that with our chances of success will yeah. be greater as and, a result and it's it's a it's a fair thing to point that out kind of because i think it's very similar to certain freedoms that we all have or had or think we have <laughs> if you don't <laughs> if you don't make use of them you're going to lose them and I think with Bitcoin, it's very similar. If you don't make use of Bitcoin and if you don't use it yourself and if you don't run a node and so on, we will collectively kind of lose what Bitcoin is and we will end up in a situation of uh, some sort of capture, just very similar like it happened on the internet and we will lose what it was meant to be and uh, what it could be and so on. So so I, I appreciate the, the word of caution. But I also think that... Um, for Bitcoin, it's so far gone now. Like it's <laughs> Bitcoin is so far ahead; it's not even funny. <laughs> so I think the 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 discussion was very interesting um, in I don't know, like uh, 2015 to 2017. And I think the um, uh, very very similarly to when the internet emerged and when network com computing emerged, there was a discussion had in terms of what is the right protocol to make computers talk to each other what are the like there were many competing network protocols and very similarly i think we had now competing value protocols so to speak and i just bitcoin is so far ahead it's not even funny and it, just in terms of security for example in terms of hash rate it's it's like nothing else exists basically if you look at the graphs in a non-logarithmic <laughs> scale then literally nothing else exists and i think like Assuming that our thesis is correct and assuming that the Bitcoin thesis is correct and assuming that the network effects of money and the network effects of a network, just like the internet, and also the network effect of stored value is too strong to, to break, what's going to happen next? I think this is, this is, this to me is 
the most interesting question. Like we we just went through all the narratives that we uh, that that I rattled off that, that that we had in the last thirteen years. And I think in the next thirteen years, like until Bitcoin is a, is a grown up, it will change to you know like nation state money reserve currency of companies. And of course, this is already happening. We see it with, you know, we see it for ourselves with CT, we see it for MicroStrategy, we see it for Tesla, we see it for many other companies. We, of course, had the news of El Salvador and uh, the adoption of, of uh, you know, Bitcoin is the, cunt- the, the money of the country now. And I, I assume <laughs> that more countries will follow in El Salvador's footsteps. And then it suddenly will get very interesting in terms of it will also be um, it will be a, a tool for geopolitics and and so on so all of this is still ahead you know like we, we can see the first glimpses of it but I, I also think that we we can't really predict what's going to happen you know like there there, there will be some things where uh, I think even a lot of Bitcoiners will be surprised and so mm. in like bringing it back to this little project here closing the loop i i think the end stage of bitcoin will not only be a global reserve asset but also global money and also global currency which which it's you know those, those are three a little bit different things and in the end it will be a closed loop system for commerce and value transfer and possibly many other things like we uh, also touched on identity for example um, with uh, decentralized identifiers and uh, um, Daniel's uh, project ion that he worked on and so I think it's it's important to to kind of keep in mind that there is a long road ahead still and that the things that I just mentioned, it, it touches on absolutely everything, you know, like <laughs> global money, global currency, closed loop system for all com- commerce and value transfer. And this includes, you know, like large payments, micro payments. This includes also identifying yourself, just like you can identify yourself by just having a bank account and, and so on. And we, we see like one of the things that we played around with and that we built this uh, lightning login.life where you can use LNURL authentication to log yourself into a website just by having a lightning wallet, you know, that, that supports this. And in the end, the idea is, you know, like you have Bitcoin, so you're probably a real ber- person and not a bot, um, even though you could be a bot, but you know, like that would be a very expensive bot army. <laughs> and <laughs> like, like those are the ma- main ideas, you know, like um, uh, that you can do something like identity in such a system as well, you know, and have some some proof of, funds and and something that that so, would solve the spam problem that we have for online and so on and so so those are all some some grand ideas you know and so the the question i want to answer in general and i think the question we all want to answer like in, in bitcoin in general and, and specifically here in this uh, project <laughs> is like what is needed to to close the loop what is what is needed to make this closed loop system work for for everyone and for the, the next decades and the next hundreds of years and who are the people and companies and projects that are working on closing this loop and also of course like what technologies are important and what what will be the important businesses and the important sectors and what are also the novel ideas and business models that are bound to emerge and i think you know i i I had a lot of fun in the last couple of months exploring all of this and i think we're we're just getting started yeah i i totally agree you know and it's so interesting that and and this again is why it's so important that 
the foundation of what this thing is remains what it is and, and maintains the certain value propositions that it has. But it's like once these uh, these technologies emerge and as lightning continues to, de- to develop, it, it springs forth these ideas of how it can be used, like some of the examples which you just gave. And, you know, that's what's so staggering about this to me. And I, you know, I think a lot of hardcore Bitcoiners share this, but just the possibilities that, uh, you know, framework or rails or a system like this is actually going to permit. And we really started to see it, I would say, over the last six months. And maybe it's just because we're focusing a little bit more on it as a result of this work. But there's lots of people like tinkerers emerging in Lightning and building, you know, really cool concepts, right? Even if they're not at a massive scale yet, you know, one that, uh, you know, we've uh, both uh, d- done an AMA on is, is Stacker News. And that's just someone who, you know, basically wanted to build something akin to uh, something that already existed, you know, a way of, of communicating, posting information, commenting on it, interacting, but uh, with Lightning enabled, you know, so that people can transfer value when they perceive that they've received value. And that's how you establish your account and use the wallet associated with it. And there's, and you know, it's obviously just the tip of the iceberg, but it, I don't know. It's like, it's almost like the, the, the possibilities are built in and very few people are consciously aware of all the possibilities when the underlying foundation is built. Right. Cause how could you be? And now we're just seeing the process of, you know, our minds interacting with the possibilities of that thing and all the different things that are bubbling up as a result. And as we keep saying, the our job and the job of entrepreneurs and the job of people that are looking at this stuff is to build and iterate and throw things out there, you know, throw, th- throw things at the wall and see what sticks to hopefully generate and create that circular, unsiloed, frictionless economy of exchanging value between one another. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah, super exciting. Absolutely, and I, I think I think the the last bit that you mentioned is the the very important one because um, it, there there is a big difference between an open protocol like Bitcoin or also like certain web standard standards and and large companies that become very successful because every company has to sustain itself and will go away like on a on a large enough time scale all these companies will go bankrupt including Coca-Cola and Facebook and Google all all the companies that you 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 cannot imagine that they will go away but they will go away you know like in in a, in a thousand years from now Coca-Cola will probably be, be bankrupt and as will Google and Facebook. I mean, I'm not sure about that, but historically we see that this is true. But yeah. but open protocols like you know like uh, musical notations or uh, chess or uh, language and so on. And, and uh, of course, the the example I often use is also like the Bible is like information that that cannot die. You know, basically, or the Quran to pick another example. You know, like it's and and th- that's 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 where Bitcoin lives. It's in the realm of information and it's an open protocol. And um, if it is useful enough, it will find ways to replicate itself. And it hasn't, like, it does not necessarily need to sustain itself economically. Of course, in Bitcoin, this is tricky because there is an economic component and so on. And, but but it's still, like, that's that's why I say it's more like a life form because every single life form also has to, has to, um, make sure it does not wither away and it needs energy and so on so so in that sense there there is some some component of um uh continual sustainment necessary but but those things are very different than 
than companies are in in some sense. And so I'm I'm very very optimistic and and hopeful because we see these open protocols emerging and we see that this worked very very well for the internet. And I I I I think um, we are currently trying to figure out, to your point, you know, like experimenting and 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 just seeing what sticks. And uh, we also had Roy, Roy from Breeze on, and he wrote an excellent piece where he differentiates between um, kind of trying to reinvent the internet on top of Lightning or inside of Lightning on, on top of Bitcoin, or just getting the payment part really right and um, kind of separating it out, like um, uh, putting lightning into the internet as opposed to putting the internet on top of lightning so to speak mm-hmm. and i'm um i i think i agree with roy in general um but i might also be wrong you know like it's we again to <laughs> repeat what you said we we have to try everything out and, and just kind of see what sticks and maybe there are some instances where it makes sense to bake it directly into the protocol and i mentioned in the very beginning boostograms you know like the, the boostograms they are very much like um SMS messages, like text messages on <laughs> the old phone <laughs> networks, but they are completely without a third party uncensorable and baked into the payment. So so I think things like that can be very, very interesting because you don't need to build up a separate infrastructure that also has to be censorship resistant, of course. You know, like you want to you want to build things that um uh yeah, that don't suffer from the ills of doing it in a centralized way that don't have the same problems that every single platform inevitably has, you know, like we see it on YouTube and uh, like Google in general and Facebook and all the rest of it. And also the new platforms that emerge like Substack and so on, even though it's very wild west still there and there's not a lot of censorship going on, it, if it gets large enough, it will run into the same issues always. And so I think it's it's super, super interesting to just, um, you know, hear the different opinions and, and thoughts of those people that are really working at the very knife's edge of innovation there and all the different approaches that we see. Yeah. And this is a, an, an element of what you just said is what we've been discussing recently, which is like, how will the value for value model evolve? And I guess the more specific question would be, what will be the more how what will drive the incentives of people to engage in that model more? Will it be you know simply somewhat of an altruistic um, act whereby people receive value and they want to return it, or will it be because of the extent of the problems that have emerged in the current landscape of let's say media or the internet generally, and I'm talking about ads, censorship, all that stuff. Will the value be in subtracting from what's been built up, right? Which is, you know, is kind of, again, in the realm of philosophy, like, you know, if you're a Bruce Lee fan or something like that, right? It's about what you take away that's actually what's, what's additive. And so will the primary driver of, of this value for value model or will, will, yeah, maybe will the primary driver be that it more seamlessly and easily allows you to detract the things from your, let's say, online or digital experience that you've come to really dislike and establish for yourself a more free or higher fidelity experience there? And will that be the, the kind of foundation upon which a more, uh, a more creative ecosystem of value for value emerges? 
you know, we discussed that a little bit recently and it would be interesting to see because that's like, that's what we've been working on. And it seems like the initial stages of this has been the latter, right? Has been, you know, people producing value and giving them a, a means to compensate for the value they're receiving. But it'll be interesting to see what solutions emerge to allow people to express uh, their value in terms of not receiving something, right? Or not being <laughs> yeah. subject to something. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think we, we talked to, to the expert in, in that field, which would be Adam Curry, by my estimation, who is the, one of the main driving forces behind podcasting 2.0 and the, the value for value model. And he, I think he, he, he definitely coined the term value for value. And I think he, he was one of the first people to switch to that model completely and, and run his whole uh, podcast and the rest of his operation on a value for value basis. And I think there is a lot to be um, learned from from those pioneers. And I think we can also learn a lot from, from other industries that um, even though it might not look like it at, at the first glance, but they have a similar model. And I'm, I'm thinking specifically about uh, free-to-play games, for example, that they don't mm-hmm. they don't monetize via advertisements, at least not all of them, you know, some of them do. And they monetize themselves purely, uh, at least competitive games mostly do, purely by selling in-game cosmetics. Let's call it like that, you know, like uh, items that do not give you any additional power so you cannot access to 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 use the metaphor in a in an internet content um way you cannot access additional information with with your money you know like nothing is behind a paywall but you 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 have some kind of you know like you you can um you can buy something that is expensive and then you can, you know, brag about it <laughs> when you <laughs> join a group of your friends and slay some monsters because you have the, you know, like the <laughs> the cool glowing shield, even though it's as good as the other shield, but this one glows purple and that means you're rich. And so there, there are some there are some interesting things in terms of social signaling and and, and social pressure and that that um, might work. I, I don't know. Like I'm I'm not at the at the end of my inquiry there, and uh, it seems that. If you do it right, it seems that the value for value model works as is, at least for certain media types. And um, yeah, this I, I look forward to exploring all of that because I also think I think the potential there is way bigger than most people realize. Because going back to the to the gaming example, I have to look up the numbers. I <laughs> so excuse me if the numbers are off, but a lot of the games that switched from a just selling the game model to a free-to-play model and, and selling in-game cosmetics, they 10x their revenue, you know? And just think about switching the whole business model of the internet, which is, which is basically advertising, you know? Like switching, mm-hmm. I, 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 should, I should correct myself I, because, you know, the internet is a large place, but switching the business model of free that the selling, so to speak, of free content, of free information. So YouTube and, and Google and all of it, it's, it's all run by advertisements. And if, if you can 10x that industry by just, by, by turning the business model on, on its head in some way and making it work, that's, that's, a very, that's a very big business. Like that's a very big business opportunity. And I think there's something there, you know, and it might not work for all media types and so on, but like, uh, so <laughs> caveat emptor, it's like, <laughs> it will be very difficult to, to, to get it right. But still, I think there's something there. I totally agree. And, and, you know, we've been, we have been discussing this lately and I, it keeps kind of 
blowing my mind. And you, you've seen this in other industries, right? When not necessarily the same dynamic of, of necessarily pricing, but how you know the market for it because of some change in technology or how people interact with it grows by an order of magnitude or, or two, like the, the total addressable market, let's say. And, um, you know, again, we're just speculating here and, and it's, it's almost, we won't philosophize too much, but it, it really is exciting to uh, confront the prospect of like the freeing up of, of the expression of value, right? And, and this can be done so much more easily in the informational or digital domain because as we were saying before, the marginal cost of, of the good is basically zero and the means of accessing it and compensating for it can be, as a result of Bitcoin now, made frictionless effectively and done in, in, in ways that could not be done before. And it, it, again, like it, it just intuitively feels to me like so much more value will be expressed when you put, when you take off, let's say, the limitations that were previously imposed on it and the, the, the incongruent um, mat- the incongruent methods of assigning, ascribing, and expressing values that the previous ecosystem uh, imposed on people. You know, so I, when I think about it, I just like in my mind's eye, I see like explosion of <laughs> colors and like you know interesting things and innovation because of the ability to express value. I mean, and, like. That rabbit hole, you know, as we often discuss, is so deep. I mean, it's a fundamental, one of the fundamental uh, aspects of like maybe even being human is our ability to express value through the actions we take, and and freeing that up to be uh, to be able to be expressed more freely, more frequently, more genuinely, with greater fidelity, with more people, like all of that combined together. And I think that's what this value for value model and what Bitcoin more broadly is, is seeming like, you know, in terms of emerging narratives, uh, going to represent. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm also not surprised that we are having this conversation, uh, um, kind of collectively in a way. And we are trying to figure this out because Bitcoin breaks open your preconceived notion of money and what money is. And you have to think about money really really deeply and what is money money is an expression of value of course you know and so so it also it also breaks open um the conception of value itself like why is something valuable and we see this in in the bitcoin community at large in, in general and uh you know like we had david bailey on from bitcoin magazine and and you guys talked a lot about uh, the emerging culture around bitcoin and so on and, and this was touched up upon as well that you know like there are a lot of bitcoiners that since we are in this exponential monetization process that, uh, you know, like also Preston Pish mentioned on the show that, you know, like if if the thesis is correct, like this is what's going to happen. And for some Bitcoiners, this already happened and and they literally have fuck you money now to use a, <laughs> a phrase that is commonly, commonly thrown around. And, and then you have to also from another side wrestle with the question of what is valuable, you know, what, what is valuable to you? How do you want to spend your time? And, and uh, like all, all these questions keep popping up in the Bitcoin space. It, it's always, of course, it is about money. And of course, this is also about value. And, and I think um, that there are certain reasons why our current society works as it does and also why the internet works as it does, you know? And some of these reasons 
are technical in nature. For example, why is the internet driven by advertisements? It is because micropayments never worked, you know? And, and there, are, there are two components to that. It's, it's one, of, one of it is a psychological one, like making a decision if you want to spend like a, a micro cent on something is, is not feasible to do. But, but it has real technological limits. You, you just couldn't do it. And that's why we zeroed in on, on flat rates and so on and so forth. And just, you know, like you, you're, you're just paying a flat fee for whatever service and that's it. It doesn't matter how much you use it. You know, even if you if you don't use your subscription for the whole month, you're, you're still paying the same, and so on. And and so so what I'm trying to say is like, Bitcoin literally fixes some of those technological limitations, and it also forces every Bitcoin at least to reevaluate those kind of things and those have uh, an intense discussion <laughs> with, with, with yourself, basically. You, you, you're forced to have an intense discussion with yourself and really deeply think about what's valuable to you, what is value for you. And um, this goes wider than just money, of course, you know, like the, uh, the, the, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a super interesting topic. And, and all of this hangs together because currently um, it, 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 it seems to me that we are now understanding as a as a global society, if you will, as 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 netizens, if you will, that free speech online is terribly important. And we in the past erred on the side on like um consuming free content and being okay with being the product. And I think there is a shift underway now where we realize, okay, this this might not be the best way of doing things. And you know, like um it's not only upside. <laughs> Let's put it like this. <laughs> Everything <Yeah>. has, <laughs> again, you know, like <laughs> there are no solutions. There are only, there are only trade-offs. And, and the, the trade-off of not paying for something directly is you, you will pay for it indirectly. And I, I think, yeah, there are just, just like the internet enabled new ways of thinking about the world and new ways of doing things and also new ways of doing business. It's the same for Bitcoin. It's a new, it's, it's a new lens through which to view a lot of things, and of course, it enables new ways of doing business, new ways of thinking about the world, new ways of, you know, also communicating in the sense of expressing value. You know, like a, a lot of Bitcoiners are talking about, like if, if I want to pay, I want to pay you in Bitcoin. You know, because the other monies are like it's almost an insult to pay someone in <laughs> US dollar or euro or what have you. Yeah. And so all all of these things, uh, in my mind at least, hang together. Yeah, I, I of course I totally agree. You know, and money money is a mechanism that helps bring value into focus, right? It's it helps construct a system that m m more allows you to perceive value and then determine your own way through it. And I think that's why I put so much pressure on on people that end up learning about Bitcoin is because it 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 broadens and intensifies their perception of value, and then it it causes them to be confronted with um, uh, determining value in a more high fidelity way than ever before. And that, you know, that is basically who you are, like your values, your systems evaluation, the things that you hold as your highest values are basically who you are. So it's no wonder that when such a circumstance prevails, it causes fairly pronounced changes in people. And I, you know, I think we've both wit witnessed that in ourselves as well as in, um, you know, the broader quote unquote Bitcoin community, you know, people for whom, this has become a, an <laughs> obsession, perhaps, or at least a, a keen interest. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, what over the past year and, and to your final point about, um, uh, you know, wanting to spend Bitcoin, I never thought that would be me, right? I've been a, a, a Scrooge like hodler for a long time, but my experience in El Salvador, I spent, you know, I, I stream sats and that kind of stuff, but I've spent more, uh, Bitcoin than ever before when I was in El Salvador a couple times this year, subsequent to the, the change in the law there. And as you say, I mean, like I, it was a very good experience, you know, first of all, you make sure that you're only spending those precious sats on things <laughs> that you really value. Right. And that, again, that because you know, you're going to be spending Bitcoin, that value contrast or that decision is far more front and center in your mind than it might otherwise be. But also you do feel like you're honoring the person that you're exchanging with. You're like, you know, mm -hmm. you give me the steak, I give you the sats. And this is a, you know, the, I don't know. It, it's almost like, um, this is going to sound super uh, cliche and stuff, but I, I think one of the interpretations of namaste is something like, the, you know, the divine in me recognizes and sees and recognizes or respects the divine in you or something like that, right? And I know it's super corny, but like there, there's an element of something like that where, you know, as you say, you're not giving them a cuck buck, which is losing value the second you hand it over to them and which comes with all these, you know, these... Uh, connotations and liabilities and you know there's theft baked into it right and i'm not really honoring you if i give you something like that whereas with sats you know it's it's a far more uh, pristine and equitable and honorable let's say exchange so i've definitely felt that uh this year and i i feel the same when i stream sats and stuff like that but the, what i wanted to ask you 50 minutes ago now was uh <laughs> what throughout the course of the last six months or so as we've been doing this show, speaking with these people, working on uh, what this is and can be. And, and again, you guys have been, you, you guys have actually done some firsts, you know, in, in terms of developing on this technology and doing per episode splits for streaming sats and stuff like that. What have been some of the, the bigger challenges that you've confronted, right? Because we, we talk about all the potential possibilities of this stuff, but what are stumbling blocks or sticky areas for taking these high ambitions we have for all this stuff and actually building them out into the world? Hmm, it's a good, it's a, it's a very good question. I think it's, um, I think the biggest summing blocks I encounter still is that, um, they are more psychological than technical, I would say, because I think a lot of, we, we are just super, super, super early. Most people now know that Bitcoin exists, but very few people are holding Bitcoin or are using Bitcoin uh, or are even understanding Bitcoin or uh, let alone what it could be. And uh, of course, even fewer people are using Lightning and so on. And of course, this might change a little bit now with uh, El Salvador and, and those kind of news where you, you're, you're skipping the Bitcoin phase and you're immediately switching on to Lightning. <laughs> Very much like, you know, we, we went through building out of communication infrastructure and then uh, in, in, the, in some parts of the third world, they immediately, you know, are onboarded with mobile phones and, and, and yeah. are basically online immediately and don't even know <laughs> that something like a, a dial wheel on the phone existed and so on. So um, I, think, I think the challenge is that um, much like the fax machine or the internet is not very useful when there's like 10 people on it, I think we haven't even seen, like we, we're just scratching the surface of Bitcoin's potential by, by the fact that 
um, the amount of people that are using Bitcoin and also using it in that way that we just described is very, very small. And just making other people see what is out there and what, how it can work and what needs to be built um, is very difficult. On, on the technical side, of course, there are also limitations. We see these limitations now on, on Lightning, for example. You know, like it's, it's, if, if you're on the bleeding edge, you, it's, it's very likely that you're misunderstanding the technology you're working on. You know, and we saw this with Bitcoin as, as we laid out in the beginning with the, the changing narratives and so on. And with Lightning, for example, it turns out that um, just managing um, liquidity and how money flows through the system is maybe a bit more challenging than some early proponents would have liked you to think. So it turns out that we we might need to come up with a, a, a layer in between something you know, like like the internet service provider. That's why why also the the LSP acronym is used in the sense of a lightning service provider. We might need, you know, some some people, companies, what have you, players in the middle that make sure that just like on on online, they make sure that the data package packages are flowing through the network without congestion and and all that jazz. That we need to do the same for value packets, and so there are some challenging things also in in the sense of um, uh, just Bitcoin protocol development is, um, and again, like depending on your view of the world. This is either a bug or a feature. <laughs> it is very conservative and it takes a long time for protocol upgrades to go through. And a lot of the things that are sketched out already, kind of, you know, like um, that people would like to experiment with, uh, we know that it will still take a while um, for those upgrades to come through. And uh, of course, you know, like the Lightning Network is such an example. It, it was um, like we knew that we had to get SegWit for Lightning to work. And now very similar, there are more constructs being built on that we know that we have to, um, uh, like we knew we had to get Taproot activated for that to work. And very similarly, which um, uh, like some privacy technologies, for example, could be improved if we get cross-input signature aggregation on Bitcoin and so on. And so those are definitely challenges, just being patient with Bitcoin. You know, that's, that's I think, the, <laughs> that's a challenge in general. And But I think, again, like, we we've seen this before you know like again the internet is my favorite analogy because just i i have this uh tech background i think a lot of coders and tech people can relate that switching from http to https took a long while you know like it took like 10 years plus and we we also we didn't really know what we are getting in what we were getting into when building out the internet we were like oh it's just universities sharing research papers and and so on you know like it's why should we encrypt this you know like it's fine if everything is out in plain text like we have nothing to hide anyway basically you know like that's <laughs> or i don't know what the idea was i mean the i have nothing to hide phrase i i you know like it, it immediately rubs me the wrong way because it's just such a such a wrong way to to think about things but anyway it took us as a collective society a long while to figure out that having everything in plain text online is it 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 might not be very smart you know like you run into a lot of issues in terms of surveillance and concentration of power and so on and so forth and so the switch from http to https took a long while and i think very similarly for bitcoin we are currently figuring out the same thing you know like it's um bitcoin is 
pseudonymous, but is anything but private. And um, we need to make some improvements in that regard for even if we just want to have large scale banking, you know, because if if you want to pay your employees in Bitcoin, if every other em- employee can figure out where the money came from, where it went, and how much everyone gets paid, and how your boss is spending the money, and the cl- the, the clerk at the street corner also knows like how much you make and so on. Like that's not a good situation to to be in. And uh, of course, you know, a lot of people are working on those kind of things, and Lightning uh, makes some of those things better. But I think that's that's one of the challenges: just having the patience and also the the the, the vision of of where this all will will go. But Again, having the patience to just kind of wait this out, have the patience to work on it <laughs> anyway, even though it's it's not perfect. And again, to to just have one more comparison, we it's it's very hard to change large networks in a meaningful way because online we. I think for the last fifteen or maybe even twenty years, we want to switch from the internet protocol from IP version four to IP version six, and this change is still not done. You know, like the. The <laughs> the uptake of these changes <laughs> is abysmal because the old version works well enough, you know. And so we see this in Bitcoin again. You know, it's like we have we still have a lot of people that did not switch to Segwit. We we still see a lot of legacy addresses floating around, and uh, Taproot uptake will take its while as well because depending on your metaphor, coming back to the very first thing that we discussed, that those those different metaphors that people have for Bitcoin. If Bitcoin is just digital gold for you, if it is gold 2.0, if it is just digital real estate, if it is just like a store of value, then Bitcoin was good from the very first day, basically, you know, and you don't need to upgrade and you can, you're fine with using a legacy address and so on. But for the more, in, in my mind, technologically interesting things like streaming money and identity and those kind of things, we need to make those upgrades. And so it is, again, you know, like this, this, this narrative fight on, on, on some level. Yeah, it is. And I, I you know, I kind of hate to keep coming back to it, but it, it's such a fascinating question in that, like, well, what does give it its value, right? Because if, it, if it's forever just something like, is there, you might think there's tremendous value in something that can't be expanded, right? So like a, the, the gold 2.0 narrative, but if it doesn't ultimately have a, a utility beyond that, you know, does it have any value, right? And I, I think that's part of the reason why, or maybe not part, maybe the full reason why, you know, development on Bitcoin continues and we, we continue to try to take its properties and stretch them and extend out into more domains and more usefulness. Because again, if we're not ultimately, and no matter if you call it digital real estate or if you don't think it's going to be money or any of that kind of stuff, but if it ultimately doesn't facilitate the greater expression, the more frictionless, unsiloed expression of value in the facilitation of cooperation, collaboration, exchange, et cetera, then, you know, is it really that valuable of a thing? You know, and that's, I think that's why I appreciate so much uh, the guests we've had on the show and the, you know, tons of other people in the space that are actually, you know, doing the work to build and test and see, you know, what, explore what this what the how, what is the representation or the expression mm-hmm. of you know the a closer and closer and closer approximation of the value which this thing represents and and that's the journey i think that we're on and you know i i think we've been doing a, a decent job thus far of being on that journey and to each of us stewarding it in our own ways but 
Um, yeah, and this journey. I think will, that's what's it, going on. It, it will definitely continue for 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 a long while. Very very similar to. We still don't know what the internet is. You know, is it just a communication network? Is it like the brain of humanity? It's kind of both. You mm-hmm. know, and it's more than that. Right. You know, like we we don't really understand what it is. We also didn't know what it what it means to electrify the world. For example, you know, what is electricity? You know, like you you, you don't really know. And also fire. What is fire? You know, it turns out that an internal combustion engine is fire as well. And so all the cars run on fire basically. So it's what yeah. is fire? You you have no idea, you know. And for Bitcoin, it's it's very very similar. And I think those those kind of like we have to answer the question what Bitcoin is in in perpetuity probably. And and currently, what what we are exploring at at, at CT and what I what I think is are, are the the four. Um, things that we keep coming back to, like from the shareholder letters uh, to throughout closing the loop, and uh, we will probably continue to explore those four areas. Uh, are are the, the the four piece of payments, privacy, personhood, and power? And of course, we had a lot of people on from the mining sector, which is basically Bitcoin viewed through the lens of power, through the lens of energy. You know, I don't mean political power or anything like that. I just mean pure raw energy that is required for for bitcoin to work and which is also which which of course you know is a pet peeve of mine and a lot of people still don't understand is that this is an absolute necessity if you remove this power from any digital thing it will be untethered um to the real world so the the bridge of the 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 one thing that anchors bitcoin in our reality is the power that is, is expended, is the energy that is used in mining. So proof of work is absolutely essential. And I cannot stress enough that if you do not understand proof of work, you don't, do not understand Bitcoin and you, you do not understand how, how, how all those puzzle pieces fit together. And of course, you know, like we, we, we see also in the, in the energy sector, very different entrepreneurs and companies being built and uh, we, we had Steve on from Upstream Data and uh, we also had Harry, Harry on from Grid and uh, we had Whitnon from Compass Mining and those are all different kind of avenues that can be explored on how, how for example, make mining more inclusive so that you can mine at home or even rent miners and so on and how, how, how you can like <laughs> put mining to insanely good use by uh, burning otherwise um, flared gas and and those kind of things and I think we again we we're just scratching a surface on on all those four areas. We talked a lot about payments now and the Lightning Network and streaming ads and value for value and those kind of things. I think what Daniel is uh, working on with decentralized identifiers it, it it links into identity and also privacy, you know, and also personhood. So it's like if you have something like Bitcoin and we have now something like Bitcoin, it is like um, and of course, I wrote about it at length in Bitcoin is Time, which is basically viewing Bitcoin as a, a series of events that builds up an arrow of time that is not to be messed with. You know, like in, in the physical world, in the real world, if you will, <laughs> we have a, an arrow of time because of physics. And in the digital world, we don't. And, and this is what makes Bitcoin work. And you can use this, of course, in Bitcoin it is used for money, but you can also use it um, you know, like for for different things and uh, decentralized identi- identifiers uh, use this aspect of Bitcoin to have a, a, a real anchor of truth to make the whole decentralized identity scheme work and the whole system work. And all of those things, like like to, to understand what Daniel is doing, for example, you, you I think you need to study Bitcoin for like 
five years, six years, seven years, <laughs> and and the, the related technologies and so on. Like it's it's really it's really hard to wrap your head around it. And we see this, for example, by some comments made by uh, the World Wide Web Consortium and Mozilla Foundations and so on. They don't really understand. Um, uh, how profound of a change it is that we have something in the digital realm now that is anchored to the real world and that no one can mess with. And so again, like I, I know I repeat myself, but I, <laughs> I, I, I literally think we're just scratching the surface of what can be done and um, what will be built in, in the next couple of months and years and decades ahead. Yeah, I totally agree. But as, as you're saying, some of those things like understanding of proof of work and you know the the potential for something like Bitcoin to facilitate um, you know greater privacy uh, technologies or ways of interacting in a more private way. Oh, man, it's like so, so early, and and it also made me think simultaneously that like because of the uh, the incentives that the technology allows for. You know, most people may never, you don't have to understand how it works, you know, and this is said often, right? You don't have to understand how it works to follow the incentive signal, let's say, right? You don't have to understand how proof work mining, uh, what it really represents to fill up a container full of miners and throw it on a natural gas line and, and start mining Bitcoin, right? Because the financial incentive is there, which is, again, why I think it's so important that in an economy, in a society, in a culture, the incentives are optimally aligned toward well that's <laughs> toward uh the highest values right i think it ultimately comes back back to that and which is why it's so interesting to explore bitcoin's implicit values and i think we'd all agree that freedom is one of them because if you and you have an incentive structure that's uh subordinate to or or leads to freedom or is grounded in freedom in some way then i think the activities which it incentivizes will, you know, naturally or definitionally uh, incentivize like activities, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of uh, activities that promote freedom in uh, tangential domains yeah. or related domains, for example. Absolutely. And I, I think it's also interesting to think about where this freedom comes from. And in, in Bitcoin's case, and also I think in the West, you know, that's why why I'm very excited about um, Jordan Peterson exploring the Bitcoin space still. And uh, <laughs> of course, we have you to thank for that as well. And it's... Um, and you. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that just by putting the individual at the center that Bitcoin enables those kind of freedoms because there is no higher authority to be beholden to. Of course, you're beholden to the Bitcoin network, but not in a, but again, like not in a um, uh, authoritarian kind of way. It's like you make the rules with your own node, the software that you run, you hold your own keys. Of course, there's a lot of responsibility in that in terms of holding your own keys. You have to be responsible for the security of those keys and so on. And of course, you know, like there's a lot to explore there as well in terms of building businesses around that. And of course, you know, you spoke to Dhruv Bansal of Unchained Capital and they are building those custody solutions and those very novel things that cannot be done in the traditional banking and finance sector, like two out of three multi-six and those kind of things. And of course, Bitcoin is even more sophisticated than that. Like you can include time locks in in, in those kind of schemes and you could have like you know like you, you could if you have kids for example you can time lock bitcoin for like 18 years <laughs> and, and all of this is still very underexplored you know like you can build i'm pretty sure you can build a business around that that idea alone and 
uh, I think the reason why it hasn't happened yet is just because we're way way too early still. But um, still, I think it's it's fascinating to realize that the freedom that Bitcoin enables you is because you're self-sovereign. You know, like the node is at the center, and I think that the values that we hold very highly in in our Western society and that our Western society is based upon it's it's very much the same idea you know like the the individual is sovereign and and uh, so it it is interesting to like dig one level deeper like where <laughs> yes bitcoin values freedom but why like where does this freedom come from this freedom comes from from the fact that you have like you can do everything yourself even you you're encouraged to do everything yourself you know like that's that, that's why a lot of bitcoiners speak of you know like first class bitcoin citizens so to speak like if you hold your if you hold your own keys and you run your own node and so on and and yeah it's it's like it, it doesn't stop to be fascinating. <laughs> no, I was going to say, you're opening up a big can of worms with that one, uh, which I don't know if we want to go down. But I, I, I do agree. And it's a very interesting question that, again, I know we've both explored on our conversations with one another and in some of our writing, um, that why freedom is, is an ideal or a value that is so consistently and reliably uh, held up as being perhaps of paramount value, of primary value. Yeah. Even though as a society and culture, in our attempts to instantiate it, um, we sometimes veer off course. And I think we'd probably also both agree that that is something that, that we're in such a time right now where uh, collectively mm -hmm. as a society or culture, we've forgotten or we've been dissuaded or we've been somehow... Uh, pushed off kilter of recognizing the value of freedom, and I, you know, I think one of the reasons why Bitcoiners are so hardcore on that front is because of the contrast between what Bitcoin does in reinstantiating or re-elevating or re-sanctifying the the primacy of freedom, in contrast to and juxtaposition to the current uh, climate and culture that that you know we're, we've been in well for many years, yeah. and particularly especially in the last two years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and but it's I think I think everyone's content is what's so what's so fascinating about Bitcoin as not just a well it, as a relationship, right? As an instrument that causes you to reflect more on these things is that it's it's bringing back to the fore these these explorations and these questions of what is the value of freedom? How is value expressed in the world? How is how are values generated? Yeah. How do our frameworks of value shift and change and how should we optimally construct them? How much are we involved in their construction? You know, it's, it's endlessly fascinating what this simple, you know, change in, in uh, almost like a prism or a change in a, the mechanism by which we express value, how simply changing that in albeit a very profound way, an unprecedented way, can have so many downstream effects on, on how we think about things. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think... I think the, the the reason why this is such a paramount value is I, I don't see another way. Like you have to be able to speak freely because otherwise you are not able to think freely and you also have to be able to think freely and you have to be able to express yourself freely and you have to also be able to express value freely. Like if if you if you do not allow people to speak freely and think freely and express value freely, then it's authoritarian by nature you know like by definition basically and 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 i think you know this there are some things where 
and I think also again, like the the Western civilization has kind of figured this out. That's why we that's why we have the First Amendment in the United States, for example. And that's also you know like to use a Christian lens, uh, the logos is is absolutely paramount. You know, and and I think it it all relates um, to very similar ideas. Like if you if you want to hash things out in <laughs> pun not intended by the way but if you want to <laughs> if you want to hash things out in a non-violent way you you need to be able to express it freely and and there is no like you know it's it's very much like pregnancy you can't be half pregnant you can't be like you can't have half free speech it's just it, <laughs> you 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 need to be able to to kind of trust trust in the process so to speak you know like you need to be able to trust that no 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 matter like free speech is dangerous of course as well you know but it's it's less dangerous than all the other approaches mm-hmm. yeah i i couldn't agree more with that you know it, it how much does that um does your changing perspective on these things and i know you, you've been thinking about a lot of this stuff uh, pre Bitcoin even, but how much does that guide the way that you prioritize, you know, stuff that we're doing and other stuff that you've been working on, you know, cause first of all, you're, you do a lot of stuff and I think most people are probably aware of that, but your time management skills must be off the chart, you know, because you got your, your hands in a lot of, in a lot of pies, but how does like these, I guess, ultimately, uh, philosophical or, you know, uh, opinions about all of this stuff guide how you uh, commit yourself to Bitcoin, and then with uh, after having done that, determine what the best application of your your skills and resources are. Hmm. It, it's a good question, and I think I like personally think my time management skills are horrible. <laughs> I knew you would say that, but that's not my impression. I just try to, kind of, you know, there always comes a point where I just force myself to, I don't know, uh, put in a streak or something like that. But um, it's, hmm, I, I think a lot of Bitcoiners describe Bitcoin also as like a a lens that really focuses and you know like uh, Michael Saylor even adopted this idea with you know the laser eyes and I can I can tell you <laughs> firsthand basically that the laser eyes did not start as like a, a meme to show that Bitcoiners are very focused <laughs> like that was not the origin of it <laughs> but but <laughs> fair enough I'll, I'll I'll take I'll take the description that uh, Bitcoin kind of um, forces you to have a laser focus on on what is the the next thing and and you really like it it i mean i think there's a deeper reason for that as well i think everyone knows the massive opportunity cost that is not buying bitcoin you know so like mm-hmm. what could you be doing right now and and if if you're wasting time or wasting money like imagine imagine the sets that you could have to your name if you would have stopped wasting time or money or would if you would have stopped being stupid like 5 years ago <laughs> you would be in a very different <laughs> position and situation and and so um like like my my prioritization of things um is along those lines in in the sense of Again, coming back to viewing Bitcoin as as this this living thing, this organism that that has certain wants and needs, you know, like it needs to use energy to stay alive. It 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 wants to grow in the sense that um, the more like its utility will grow um, as more participants join the network, and also like the 
not only will it change our shift in perspective and, and change the narratives when other people come in, when it's not only cypherpunks, for example, and now we have, you know, like sitting senators and, you know, like um, CEOs of billion dollar companies that are Bitcoiners as well, or at least hold Bitcoin and so on. And um, I, I think there will be different stages going forward for Bitcoin, just like we had different stages for the internet as well, you know, like the, uh, and I, th I think there will be step functions to the development of Bitcoin too, just like we had step functions for the development of the internet, you know, like when the iPhone came out, everything changed quite drastically, you know, like that's, that mm. was definitely one moment where a lot of our thinking had to shift in terms of what does it mean to write a computer program and how does computing work and so on. And I think the same will be true for Bitcoin as well. Like, and I can't, I cannot tell you what it will be, you know, like, I mean, we are at the forefront and I think it has something to do with the things that we just discussed with, you know, like streaming payments and value for value and those, those kind of things. It might be something completely different as well. You know, like it, we, we, uh, you know, the people that are really steeped in the energy sector will tell you that Bitcoin is, is, like the revolution of the energy sector is already happening. It's just not equally distributed yet. And I agree with mm -hmm. that as well, of course, too, you know? And so I just try to kind of figure out where I can be most useful. And I just try to do that. And it's, you can only prioritize and execute as best as you can. You can't do anything else. Like, like you know, <laughs> my to-do list and my, my, my list of interesting ideas and projects and things to read and books to read and so on, it's absolutely endless and it grows way, way, way faster than I can take anything off. So the only way to deal with that is just to prioritize and do, again, coming back to the theme of, of <laughs> this episode, it seems, what is most valuable uh, in, in, in this time frame now. Yeah. And I thank you for that response. I don't mean it to be so, uh, you know, quote unquote philosophical, but you know, when you and I get together, it's not terribly surprising that it ends up this way. But I, I do want to ask you something because I think, you know, I felt it at certain times to certain degrees. And I think a lot of people do as well. And it kind of along the lines of uh, the idea that every ideal is also a judge because that's the way in which values ascend a value hierarchy is they get compared to something and the thing that stands up to the comparison or the thing that is most valued between the two things ascends effectively. And so the highest ideal is also the thing that judges is beneficially contrasted to everything else. And, um, but sometimes, you know, judgment can be harsh, right? Judgment can, there can be a burden associated with judge, uh, judgment. And when you confront something like Bitcoin, that's you, you perceive so much value, so much optimism, so much potential, so much excitement, is there an element of it that becomes mm, not a burden, but maybe taxing and you have to find ways to maneuver or adjust your engagement with it properly? And just to flesh that out a little bit more, what I mean is like, we see this thing and, and we share the opinion, I think, that there's few things now or even previously that are, are going to be more impactful than what Bitcoin represents, and you want to engage with it maximally and optimally. But of course, it's surrounded by unknowns. And this is what we've been discussing. Like, we don't know how it's going to develop. We don't know what it is yet. And so, you know, that L the unknown can always, you know, instill a sense of anxiety, sometimes gross, sometimes, you know, small. But 
as you interact with this and as you do your best to, to contribute to this and you do a hell of a lot of contributing, does it require, or, or how do you feel about, um, or is there even a, a degree of, of pressure or, or taxing this that it exerts on you? And, and how do you deal with that? And I know like this is super personal, so if you don't want to answer, <laughs> don't, but I do like, I do know a lot of people share something akin to this, um, this sentiment. And so, you know, I guess while I had you yeah. here on the, on the, on the pod, I figured I'd ask No, it's, it's a great question. Um, and I, I think I'm in, I'm in the same boat. I'm not sure if I'm in the same boat as, as everyone else, but I, I definitely heard Matt about it, uh, Matt speak about it, Matt Odell, um, that it doesn't matter how much he does for Bitcoin. He always feels like he's not doing enough kind of. And so, mm. so, so I, I can really empathize with that because, um, I know, you know, like coming back to what we just said a minute ago, you know, like, where would I be if I would not have wasted time and, or did stupid things and so on? And I'm still wasting time and I'm still doing stupid things, you know? Like I'm a very imperfect human. Like I, <laughs> it's, it, it is, it is what it is. And, and so it doesn't matter what I, what I do. Um, uh, I think it's, it's very, hard to live up to the ideal basically and to me uh, and and i mean this in in many many different ways so first of all you know like um bitcoin as the ultimate judge in the end when everything is said and done and this monetization process is complete it truly will be like a, a scoreboard you know who has the most sets <laughs> and i think like if 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 historical performance is any indication of future performance i'm doing very poorly <laughs> so i did a lot of stupid things in the past and i'm i'm not happy i'm not happy with myself about that but but also you know i think that's also fine and i can i can live with that very comfortably i think it also, you know, like Bitcoin also opens up the question, uh, as we said before, like, what do you truly value? And, you know, like how much money is enough money, for example, like how much, how many sets do you really need to live a comfortable life and do, and do what you're mm. doing? And so, so I, I can't really complain, you know, like I, um, uh, you know, like as far as I'm concerned, I, I couldn't wish for a more exciting thing to work on. And, and so since... Um, having something to do that is meaningful was always very important to me. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond happy, you know, like it's, it's, it's super exciting to, to kind of work on this stuff and, and talk to the people that are like, you know, the, <laughs> like that's, that's what's so interesting in Bitcoin is that take, I don't know, like the 200 Bitcoiners that you know from, from Twitter, they are like smart in a million different ways. It's, it's, it's really like, from, <laughs> I mean, of course, you know, some people, you think they border on insanity, but still, you know, it's a, it's a thin line. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's also, of course, uh, you know, like you, you're surrounded by all those people doing amazing, amazing things. And, and so there is this, um, there's this kind of ideal as well, you know, like I, I see a, uh, you know, I could write more, I could code more, I could do more, I could, <laughs> I could, uh, I could do <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I think sometimes when I see uh, the output of other people. So of course it is, it is taxing. There, there's this, this thing. And I think there's also, there's also kind of, that's one part of it, but I think that the, the other part that is even more distressing for me personally is that I think we truly have only one shot at this. 
And so I want to give it my best, you know, like I, mm. I, I, I truly think it is, uh, we have this one opportunity to fix the money. I don't think we will have, like, if this fails, and I have no reason to think that it will fail, like, even if I disappear tomorrow, like, the, I, I have no reason, like, <laughs> for, for, to believe that uh, Bitcoin will not be a success. But still, I want to do everything I can to help other people understand how important Bitcoin is and what we're dealing with and what this will mean to the world. And I, I still think that education is probably one of the, like, uh, it probably is the most important thing that still can be done. Um, because I think we have to understand this properly and we have to think about this properly. And I think also the people that are currently in power and 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 the people that are, you know, making the rules and regulations and laws and all of it, they have to think about this properly and have to understand it. And also, you know, like big financial institutions and so on. And so I think education will still be very, very, very important going forward. But I'm also very pleased that, you know, more and more people are working on this and have worked on this and we, we have great books and material now that it, it, it is kind of easy now to understand Bitcoin as, as compared to a couple of years ago, you know? So <laughs> it's all going, well, it's all going in a, in a good direction. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly easy to get caught up to speed. You know, Bitcoin is one of those things where the more you know, the more you realize you don't know, kind of that sort of dynamic, right? Like it, it just, the, the horizon expands as your knowledge expands, right? Uh, and which is what makes it so engaging and exciting. You know, you, you said something there that was really interesting that I hadn't really considered before in terms of some, you know, the pressure that uh, the ideal exerts on one. And uh, I think it is gratitude. It was basically what you're saying, like to, you're, you're grateful for having the opportunity to engage in something that, that's so meaningful. And I think that's what a lot of people are experiencing. And I think that's probably the appropriate counterbalance to the anxiety or pressure that, um, wanting to engage in something so badly and wanting to achieve, even if it's not always a selfish achievement that you're talking about in reference to something, I, I think maybe the release valve of the pressure and anxiety that that might induce is a gratitude for simply having the opportunity to devote yourself to something so meaningful. Um, yeah, absolutely. I hadn't thought about it in those terms before, but it, it make, made a lot of sense when you were just, um, just articulating it. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people probably I, feel I just, similarly. I, I think, you know, that's also the, I think the right approach to work on anything basically <laughs> is to enjoy it as much as you can while you're doing it. Mm. And that's mm -hmm. really what I'm trying to do. And I, I just enjoy, again, having the opportunity to work with so many amazing people on, on such an amazing thing, you know, like it's, 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 it's a combination yeah. of both, you know, like I think, I think, and, and I think we see this also historically, you know, like, like the, the first people that discovered Bitcoin and worked on it, they, they had no kind of quote unquote community to fall back on. And they, they, like, they were not in Bitcoin because of the awesome people in Bitcoin. They, they, they were in it because the idea was so insanely fascinating and, and the technology was so insanely fascinating. And it, it was, it was something that just needs to be built and needs to be brought into existence. And now we have both, you know, like, because there are a lot of absolutely fascinating and, and, and amazing people in Bitcoin. And I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, like I, <laughs> I couldn't have dreamed up a, a, a better <laughs> outcome of my quote unquote career than to work with yeah. amazing people on the most amazing thing that is currently happening in the world. So, um, Amen, I'm, 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 I'm eternally grateful for, for all of that. And so, 
it, yeah, that's <laughs> might, yeah, might, me too. <laughs> might 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 be might be a good place to <laughs> to shut it down. <laughs> to, you know, like that's the <laughs> that's you know that's no that's to me that that is my answer to 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 stick with the theme of of of, of <laughs> the conversation. Like I think this is this is very close to my highest value. You know, like in in enjoy enjoy the current block <laughs> as best as you can and work. <laughs> Yeah, work on something meaningful with amazing people, and uh, you know that's that's what Bitcoin enables as well. So, so that's all kinds of beautiful. Yeah, I, I think that is beautiful, and I totally agree. And um, I guess if I can sneak one more in, it's just to say, you know, what's uh, what are you seeing on the horizon for twenty twenty two? What's exciting you? What's pulling you forward? What's drawing your attention the most? You know, what's going to basically fill up yours and I guess our year together? Yeah, I, th I think um, to it, it, it's best described as a, as a summary of, of what we, we talked about. I, I mm. think to me, um, the, the payments aspect and the privacy aspect is those two things are the most interesting ones. And especially from the payment side of things, I mean, there are the obvious payments. Um, with just just replacing Visa and Mastercard and replacing the legacy financial system, so to speak, and making it um, more open, more efficient, and uh, you know, remove the very strict re requirements of personhood if you want uh, from the system. And this is definitely underway, and this is also very exciting. But for me, more exciting even is um, you know, like the the things that we also mentioned in in the episode with, with Roy and on some other episodes uh, uh, with Adam, the streaming payments part and uh, the new things that Lightning enables, you know, and just baking Lightning into not necessarily absolutely everything, <laughs> because I think it doesn't make sense to have payments in absolutely everything. But I think there are many areas where it makes sense and, and kind of offer, offering an alternative to the advertisement model basically and also offering offering an alternative to the subscription based model you know like those are the, the two main models and on the on the privacy side i think the switch from http to https online is is like a, a nice metaphor of um what a lot of bitcoiners are working on myself included and uh, i think there are a lot of exciting things happening there as well which they are very very technical and i also just thinking about those kind of things correctly um this is something that i i want to kind of spend my time on so i i hope to write about some of these things um and also i hope to continue to work on the projects that i'm involved in and also explore um you know value for value and and boostergrams and streaming payments and podcasting 2.0 and all of it here with you and with, uh, on closing the loop and yeah i can't wait to see what's what's going to pop up in the next couple of months and years. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's Me basically too. I want to, I, I want to say how jazzed and excited I am for the, the year ahead. And, you know, I was going to say like, it's going to be such a wild year, but they basically all are now, you know, I, you, I remember the beginning of last year and the beginning of before that. And, and there's just, uh, there's so much awesome stuff happening and it's happening, uh, in contrast or nestled within a world where so much not awesome stuff is happening, but you know, it, maybe it's the case that it's never any other way. And, uh, this is the kind of yin and yang of how, uh, good emerges from, from bad or, or the scales are ultimately balanced or something like that. So I can't wait to, um, 
continue this yeah. over the next year and see everything that happens. And, you know, it's a pleasure and an honor to work with you and the team and, you know, selfishly to be able to get to uh, jam with you as often as we do, you know, on our work calls and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, uh, I think good things are ahead. Likewise. So uh, I, I pre- <laughs> it's, it's, it's an absolute pleasure and an honor. And I think, you know, the, that the pressure is on now, kind of. <laughs> Bitcoin is <laughs> more important than ever, um, both mm-hmm. from a financial perspective as also from, I think, a freedom perspective. And um, spe- speaking of which, I, 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 I want to use the opportunity to also um, shout out what, what we built uh, for Closing the Loop and the CT website. If you're sending boostograms through any of the podcast apps, the new podcasting apps that do streaming sets, um, it will show up on the episode uh, website. So um, we <laughs> we are experimenting with some un- un- uncensorable comments, let's, let's put it like that, but we include the possibility of moderation from our side. So, <laughs> Right, so if, you, you, if you're listening to the show in a podcast 2.0 app and you boost, include the note, and then you go to the CT uh, page for the podcast and then click on the episode it should be it should show yeah. up uh, below it it will show up eventually because offensive. <laughs> yeah, we are we're we are still experimenting with all of this and and again you know like this is one exploration of how to think about this uh, properly and uh, we we are open sourcing all of that stuff so if someone some other podcast wants to uh, use a, uh, build a similar thing or use what we've built then feel free to do so and a lot of a lot of stuff is currently popping up in, in that area so that's also something that we are working on behind the scenes uh, just integrating this in your full note for example and have like your notifications uh, as they stream in and so on. So yeah, all of that is is terribly exciting. And uh, again, just to reiterate what you've said, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just terribly excited of what it is to, <laughs> what, of what is to come. No, seriously, like there's there's so much stuff One going on. <laughs> and yeah, it's a pleasure to 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 ride this wave with you. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, brother. And. Uh... Appreciate the work you do and the time, and uh, we'll shut it down now. And of course, we'll be I'll, spe- I'll be speaking to you again soon. So uh, thanks again. All right, bye bye. See you, brother. Thanks for joining us to kick off season two of Closing the Loop. As you can probably tell, Gigi and I are both extremely excited to continue working on this project, pushing the value for value model forward and supporting the other awesome work that CT will be doing in 2022. Just a reminder that we've integrated Boostergrams into the podcast page of the ct.io website. So if there's a particular part of the episode which you enjoyed, you can click Boost in your Podcasting 2.0 enabled app, write a little message, and it'll show up below the episode on our site. If you'd like to hear more from Gigi, follow him at Dergigi, D-E-R-G-I-G-I, on Twitter, and visit Dergigi.com to keep up with his growing library of excellent work. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Closing the Loop, and here's to another amazing year for Bitcoin. See you next time.